Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Fort Sinopoli Calcio Podcast. This is a podcast devoted to Napoli, of course, but you don't have to be a Napoli fan to enjoy it. If you're a Serie A fan, if you're a football fan, looking for the inside scoop on all things Napoli, this is the place to be. I'm your host, Joe Fischetti. Thank you so much for joining us. Today's episode will be a little shorter than usual. We're not going to recap the Coppa Italia match against Spezia because we covered that in great detail on our last episode of Forza Napoli Worldwide. That posted on Friday, so be sure to check that one out. On today's episode, we'll start with the latest news and transfer rumors around Napoli. In part 2, we'll recap Napoli Femminile's round 12 match against Pink Bari, and we'll recap Napoli Primavera's 6th round match against Cosenza. Finally, in part 3, we'll preview our match on Sunday against Parma. So let's get right into the news. As we talked about last episode, heading into the match against Spezia, there was a lot of talk about Gennaro Gattuso being at risk of losing his job. Corriere dello Sport reported that De Laurentiis made contact with Rafa Benitez and that he had given Gattuso 10 days to turn things around. Now, at that point, we only had two games in those 10 days, the Coppa Italia quarterfinal against Spezia and the upcoming match on the weekend against Parma. So to me, that report amounted to if Gattuso doesn't win both matches, he's getting the sack. We've seen numerous rumors flying around about potential replacements for Gattuso. On Wednesday, the club finally issued a statement addressing those rumors. I say finally because I think it would have been more useful to nip those rumors in the butt, not to let them snowball for a couple of days. The statement read, President Aurelio De Laurentiis, along with Vice President Eduardo De Laurentiis and CEO Andrea Chiavelli, met the team and the technical staff tonight, confirming the full confidence in coach Rino Gattuso. Il Matino published an excerpt from De Laurentiis' speech to the players and the staff. He said, I trust you. I know that, like me, you want to go to the Champions League. 
We must all be calm because arriving in the top four is fundamental for the future of this club. Too many speculations and invented things. It is not true that I do not believe in the coach's work. I trust all of you and I believe in you, Reno. Correa de la Sera also reported that De Laurentiis announced that any salaries for staff and players that had been in arrears from 2020 had been paid in full, and that was only a couple of days before the FIGC postponed the deadline to make those payments until the end of May. So with this vote of confidence and with the win against Spezia, it would appear at least for now that Gattuso is safe, but the situation seems rather volatile. There are all kinds of rumors swirling around suggesting that even with that win over Spezia, Gattuso is not actually safe. There are rumors that De Laurentiis has changed his position with respect to Gattuso's contract extension. There are rumors that the relationship between Gattuso and De Laurentiis is broken, but no one really knows what is going on. Gattuso himself made some interesting comments, as he always does in his post-match conference after the Spezia game. First, he was understandably frustrated to be questioned about losing his job after he had qualified for the semifinals of the Coppa Italia for the fourth time in his short coaching career. But what I thought was most interesting was when he was asked if the club had lost trust in him, he said that they don't need to trust him and he has no intention of resigning. He added that if the results don't come, then he is an employee insinuating that the club can choose to fire him. Now, the reason why that's interesting is because earlier in the season, Gattuso said that as soon as the club loses trust in him, he would in fact resign. Now, I do very much think that Gattuso's fate also depends on results. We have an interesting run of fixtures coming up. After Parma, our next Serie A match is against Genoa, which is another must-win match. And that match is followed by Juventus and Atalanta, which are both massive games. In between all of those Serie A matches, we play Atalanta twice in the Coppa Italia semi-final and Granada twice in the Europa League knockout stage, and it doesn't end there. We basically play every three to four days until we are knocked out of a competition. So we'll see how long De Laurentiis remains confident in Gattuso. The club issued a similar statement not long before Carlo Ancelotti was sacked as well, but the situations are not even remotely similar. I suspect these rumors will resurface whenever we have a poor result for the balance of the season. Now, there have also been rumors about sporting director Cristiano Giuntoli also being at risk of losing his job. The cynics were quick to point out that the club's statement only confirmed full confidence in Gattuso and made no mention of Giuntoli, so we'll see what happens there. The Ultras are doing their part as well. On the eve of the Spezia match, they visited Hotel Britannique, where the club was spending the night, to show their support both for Gennaro Gattuso and Lorenzo Insigne. They told Insigne that he can count on them, he is their captain, and how his tears in the Supercopa moved them. They encouraged him to be serene, and they said they don't put any pressure on him. Insigne responded, saying that he was sick for three days after that Juventus match. They also asked Gattuso if he believes in this team and he responded saying that he has a strong team. So that was really the only news story worth covering over the last little while. A couple of financial reports were released in the last week or so. Deloitte released their annual football money league. Napoli ranked 19th in terms of most revenue generated by European club. But frankly, I have zero interest in a report about revenue. Profit is what really matters. Barcelona were top of the list in terms of revenue, but they posted nearly 100 million euros in losses last season. KPMG published their European Champions report, but as the name suggests, that only focuses on the champions of each European league, which is also of little interest to me. 
So let's move on to talk about the January Mercato, which closes in a couple of days. I was on the Calcio Guys last week and they asked me what my expectation was for the January market. My response was that I expected to see Napoli be more active on the outbound than on the inbound with Milik being the top priority, followed by Kevin Malquis, Stanislav Lobotka, and Fernando Llorente. Now, I doubt Napoli will do anything with Lobotka. There were rumors that Torino were interested in him, but it doesn't seem like we want to let him go, at least not without very favorable terms. But Malqui and Llorente have both officially moved on now. Llorente completed his medicals on Tuesday and officially joined Udinese on Wednesday. As far as I understand it, we're not getting much in terms of a purchase price. I believe there is a potential for Napoli to earn about half a million euros in bonuses. The real benefit is that Udinese will take his salary off our hands for the balance of the season. They've also extended his contract until June of 2022. Malqui completed his medicals on Wednesday and officially joined Fiorentina on Thursday. He joins Fiorentina on loan with an option to buy for about 6 million euros. I'll close this part with a bit of a rapid fire on some of the rumors that are out there in terms of players that could potentially depart the club as well as players that we may be actively courting. I'll leave it to you to decide how much stock you want to put into these rumors, but I'd suggest adjusting your expectations based on the sources. Various outlets are reporting that Napoli have reached an agreement with Hellas Verona to acquire Matias Zaccagni, but the announcement will not come until the summer. Supposedly, the price tag was 15 million euros. According to Tuto Sport, Adam Unes will return to Napoli at the end of his loan spell with Cagliari. Supposedly, Parma and Spezia are interested in the Algerian, but that's of course if either of those stay up. The Sun are reporting that Tottenham are interested in Nikola Maksimovic. According to France Football, Napoli continues to follow Marseille fullback Jordan Amavi, who is also in the sights of Milan and Crystal Palace. And Calcio Napoli 24 are reporting that Napoli have an agreement in place with Teramo for 21-year-old fullback Salim Diakite, but that he would join Badi on loan. So that will do for part one. In part two, we'll recap our Napoli Feminile and Primavera matches from the previous round. Next, let's talk about our Feminile and Primavera teams, starting with the Feminile. Our ladies played against Pink Body on Saturday the 23rd, which was the first game of the second half of the season. Heading into the round, these two clubs were the two worst records in the league. Napoli were in dead last with one draw and 10 losses, so one point in our first 11 games of the season. Body were in second last with one win and 10 losses, so three points in their first 11 games. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to find the full match, but from what I've read, it was actually a very entertaining match. I'll fill you in as best as I can, but first, let's start with Napoli's lineup. Alessandro Pistolesi made one change to the lineup he fielded against Roma, but he shuffled the front six a little bit. We lined up in the 4-3-3 once again with Catalina Perez in goal. Alexandra Hune and Guomi Arnatudir started at center back. Martina Fuzzini started at left back and Elisabetta Oliviero started at right back. Against Roma, Pistolesi started Emma Erico in the center of the midfield with Vivian Beal to her left and Sarah Houchet to her right. 
For this match, Pistolezzi shifted Ediko and Huche over one spot, so Huche started in the center of the midfield and Ediko started on the left side. Bill dropped to the bench and Eleonora Goldini started on the right side. Pistolezzi used the same attack as he did against Roma, but he flipped his wingers. Jenny Hillman started on the left and Evi Popadinova started on the right. And finally, Pia Riesdijk started at striker. So that was our starting 11. Next, let's get to the match. Napoli were on the front foot right away, but Sarah Houche's shot deflected off Francesco Sora and went out for a corner kick. Batty came back the other way on the counterattack, first with Chelsea Weston and then with Emily Helval, but Perez came up big. Despite Napoli's record, she's been fantastic so far this season. That was really Batty's only chance of the half. Riesdijk had a chance in the 25th minute on a cross from Hillman, who was also fantastic in this match, but Batty keeper Paola Milioya punched the shot out. Milioya had another save on Riesdijk's weak left-footed shot, but other than a scrum late in the half, the first half wasn't terribly eventful. Batty came out strong to start the second half, but Perez came out victorious after a scrum in the area, and then Napoli came back the other way to open the scoring. Popedinova scored in the 51st minute with a gorgeous volley to the top corner from just inside the area. She's absolutely on fire right now. That was her third goal in as many matches and really is the only one scoring goals for us right now. Napoli continued to apply the pressure after the goal with Eriko and Goldini both having attempts at goal. Helmball had another weak attempt in the 73rd minute, but that was easily stopped by Perez. Things got pretty testy in the second half. Both Izota Noki and Chelsea Weston were shown straight red cards in the 83rd minute. In the end, Napoli held on for the comfortable and deserving 1-0 win. It was our first win of the season, so this was a great start to the second half of the season. Giuseppe Marino has done great things for this club, but Pistolezzi took two matches to do what Marino was not able to do in the first 10, which is get a win. Now, we have to take the win with a grain of salt because it was against Badi. They are now bottom of the table, one point behind us. So we are now in second last. Meanwhile, San Marino lost 4-1 to Empoli, so we're only 4 points back of them, which means we're only 4 points back of safety, with 10 matches still to play, so that means survival is by no means out of the question. Of course, we're going to have to pick up some points against clubs that are above us in the table. We will have an opportunity to gain more ground on San Marino soon. Their next match is against 2nd place Milan, so that should be a tough one for them. Our next match is against 5th place Fiorentina, so that won't be an easy match either. Those matches will be played next weekend. A few days after the match, we made a couple of transfers. The big one was our captain Federica Di Criscio moved to Norway to play for Top Siren. A few lesser-used players are on their way out as well. Beatrice Abati is now with Como, and Zubida Elbastali has transferred to Roma. So that was our women's team. Next, let's review our Primavera game. The Primavera played on Saturday of last weekend as well. They came into this match against Cosenza on the back of a 0-0 draw to Frosinone. Heading into this match, we were sitting in 11th place out of 12 teams. However, every team had played either 3 or 4 games already, and we had only played twice. Cosenza were in 4th, unbeaten in their first 3 games with 2 wins and a draw. Emanuele Cascione made three changes to the squad that started against Frosinone in the previous round, and he switched from a 3-4-2-1 to a 3-4-1-2. Huberi Dasiak started again in goal. Davide Costanzo started in the middle of the three-man back line. Nello Donofrio played on the left, and Jonathan Spedalieri started over Oscar Guarino on the right. 
Raffaele Virgilio and Brando Sami started in the center of the midfield, Flavio Romano played on the left wing, and Benedetto Barba started over Nathaniel Amoa on the right wing. Gennaro Iaccarino played as the trequartista, with Antonio Vergara dropping to the bench, and Vincenzo Furino and Giuseppe Ambrosino started together up top. Napoli got off to a great start to the match, coming close to scoring in the opening minute. Furina headed the ball down the line to Iaccarino, who popped the ball over Cosenza defender Andrea Mereu to Ambrosino. He caught Cosenza keeper Francisco Montoya off his line and tried to chip him, but the shot hit the side netting. Montoya had a dreadful start to the match. Only a minute later, Costanzo played a long ball intended for Ambrosino, but it was just out of the striker's reach. Montoya came off his line to clear the ball and completely whiffed on the clearance, and the ball ended up in the back of the goal. Shortly after that, Cosenza had a golden opportunity to draw level. Cosenza right back, Jacopo Nobile played a cross from the right wing into the area to Andrea Belcastro. He tried an acrobatic bicycle kick that came off the Napoli defender's arm and a penalty was given. Massimo Zilli stepped up to take the penalty but Idasiak made a fantastic save diving to his right. About midway through the first half, Napoli came close to doubling their lead and once again Montoya made a mess of it. Barba played a long ball for Ambrosino who got behind the Cosenza back line. Montoya took an odd route to get to the ball so Ambrosino was able to pop the ball over him, but Ambrosino's follow-up header hit the upright and stayed out. Napoli was all over Cosenza in the first half. In the 31st minute, Romano's left-footed shot didn't miss the far post by much, and shortly after that, Barba had a shot from the right side narrowly missed the opposite post. Cosenza had their chances to get back in this match though. In the 35th minute, Cosenza played a cross in from the left wing into the area. Idacia came out to intercept the cross and he spilled the ball straight to Belcastro, but with the keeper down, Belcastro tripped over his own feet and nothing came of it. Ambrosino had another chance just before the break. Once again, we had success playing the ball over the top from the right side, and once again, Ambrosino got behind the Cosenza back line. Ambrosino had two men to beat and managed to get the shot off from the top of the box while he was falling, but the shot went harmlessly wide of the goal. Napoli continued to terrorize the Cosenza back line in the second half with pretty much the exact same play, which was an in-swinging ball from the wing for the forwards to run onto. In the 52nd minute, Furina got behind the Cosenza back line, but Montoya challenged and made the save at the top of the box. Then a minute later, Ambrosino was looking dangerous on the left wing, dribbling past two Cosenza players to get into the area, but just as he was about to shoot, Cosenza center back Paolo Ficari made a decisive slide tackle to knock the ball out for a corner kick. In the 66th minute, substitute Giuseppe D'Agostino got behind the Cosenzo backline as well, and he appeared to be pulled down in the area by Ficari, but somehow the penalty was not given. Napoli nearly paid for squandering so many chances in this match. In the 82nd minute, Cosenza's trequartista Aldo Florenzi put his bending shot from distance on target, but once again, Idasiak was up to the task, diving to his right to make the save. Napoli had a few more chances late in the match. D'Agostino broke free to the goal twice more. The first time he took too many touches and was stopped by Montoya, and the second time he went to ground hoping to draw a penalty, but he too was unsuccessful. Antonio Pesce came close to scoring. He got past Montoya on the left side of the box, but Mereu and Cosenza substitute Mario Guadio did well to close him down and block the shot. Pesce played really well in the 10 minutes or so 
he had off the bench. D'Agostino had one final chance after that, but he just wasn't meant to score on this day. We squandered chance after chance in this match, but in the end, it didn't matter. We were fortunate that Cosenza also squandered their chances, though theirs were much fewer in number, and this one finished in a 1-0 victory. So despite playing fewer matches than any other team, Napoli moved up to 7th place on 4 points, but 4 teams below us are on 3 points, and the season is very, very young. So that will do for part 2. In part 3, we'll preview our match on Sunday against Parma. final part will preview our match on Sunday against Parma. This is the 38th meeting in the history of these two clubs and the 19th match to be played in Napoli. Napoli have a record of 9 wins, 4 draws, and 5 losses in the previous 18. Parma had an absolutely dreadful first half of the season. They are currently second from the bottom of the table with 13 points from 2 wins, 7 draws, and 10 losses. Parma have the worst goal differential in the league as well at minus 22. That is largely because they have really struggled to score goals this season. Parma's 14 goals for is by far the worst in the league. Genoa have the second fewest goals for at 19, which means Parma are the only team in the league that average fewer than one goal per match. That doesn't bode well for Parma as Napoli are tied with Inter for the best goal differential at plus 22, and only Inter and Atalanta have more goals for than we do. Both of these teams are coming off losses in the league. Of course, we suffered that devastating defeat to Hellas Verona in the previous round, which has really shaken the club. Parma are coming off an unfortunate loss to Sampdoria. It was actually their best performance in a little while, but Sampdoria converted their chances and Parma didn't. Parma also hit the woodwork on three separate occasions. This match has some really interesting similarities to the last time we played against Parma, which was the opening match of the season. We didn't look very good in that match until we brought in our new record signing Victor Osimhen, and that completely changed the complexion of the game. Suddenly there was space all over the field and in the end we got a comfortable 2-0 win. We started that match in a 4-3-3 and we rarely used it again after that, but after our win over Spezia we'll probably start this meeting in the 4-3-3 again. We also started that match with Victor Osimhen on the bench. After the Spezia game, Gattuso said that Dries Mertens and Victor Osimhen were both playing at about 30-40%, to which suggests that Osimhen will start on the bench for this meeting as well. So with that, let's get to the starting lineups. Roberto de Versa has used a different formation in each game he's coached since returning to the Parma bench. Against Lazio, he used a 4-3-3, then he switched to a 3-4-3 for the Sassuolo game, and in Parma's last match against Sampdoria, he used a 4-3-1-2. That makes it somewhat difficult to predict Parma's starting 11, but I think we're going to see the same starting 11 that played against Sampdoria. Ex-Napoli keeper Luigi Seppe will start in goal. With Bruno Alves still injured, Ricardo Galliolo and Simone Iacoponi started at centre-back. Giuseppe Pezzella started at left-back and new signing Andrea Conti started at right-back. Yasmin Kurtic played in the centre of the midfield with Hernani to his left and Alberto Grassi to his right. 
Juraj Kuchka started as the Trequartista behind Andreas Cornelius and Gervinho. For Napoli, I expect Gattuso to use the 4-3-3 once again. A lot of my reasoning for this predicted 11 is based on the assumption that we need to rotate our squad, which I'll speak to in more detail in our three keys to the match. I think we'll see Alex Meret start in goal. He seems to be the preferred keeper against the lower table teams. At center back, I think we'll see Kaladu Kulibuli and Nikola Maksimovic. I have Fauzi Gulam starting at left back and Giovanni Di Lorenzo returning to start at right back. I think we'll see Tiemoy Bakayoko start in the Regista with Piotr Zielinski and Elif Elmas completing the three-man midfield. The front three really depends on the condition of Andrea Petania, but I'm expecting to see the same attack that we saw against Spezia. Lorenzo Insigne should start on the left wing, Matteo Politano should start on the right wing, and Chucky Lozano should start at striker as a false nine. So those are the starting lineups. Next, let's look at our three keys to the match. The first key to the match is we need to rotate our squad. I'm a little bit torn on this one only because Gattuso is not yet out of the woods. He needs to win this match, but we have to be mindful of the schedule. As I mentioned in part one, we play every three to four days pretty much until we are eliminated from either the Coppa Italia or the Europa League. The Parma game is our final match of January, and then we have eight games in February, and there are a lot of tough matches during that stretch. The first and last matches against Genoa and Benevento respectively are the easiest, but in between those matches we play Atalanta twice in the Coppa Italia, we play Granada twice in the Europa League, and we play Atalanta and Juventus in Serie A. The reason I mention all of that is because it means we need to rotate our players when we have the opportunity to do so, and the Parma and Genoa matches are definitely games we need to rest some players. I thought Gattuso did a good job of rotating for the Spezia game. Mario Rui, Elcid Cusai, Costas Manolas, Eli Felmas, and Matteo Politano were all pretty much well rested. There's not much rotating we can do up top with Mertens, Osman, and Petania all dealing with injuries. I think that's why Gattuso gave the team a rest day on Friday before resuming training on Saturday. Parma will be fresh not having to play midweek, so we'll need as many fresh legs out there as we can get. The second key to the match is we'll need Koulibaly to shut down Gervinho. Even though Parma have a fairly even distribution of goals, Gervinho is always their most dangerous goal-scoring threat because of his pace. For that reason, I hesitated to put Fauzi Gulam and Nikola Maksimovic in the starting 11, but I think Koulibaly can handle Gervinho. Even though he leads the team in scoring, he hasn't been very clinical. He scored a brace twice this season, but he hasn't scored any goals outside of those two matches. If we play in a 4-3-3, we'll be defending in a 4-5-1, and I think having that extra midfielder will make it difficult for players like Juraj Kuchka, Hernani, and Yasmin Kurtic to score goals. We still need to be careful, though some of these Padma players like Kuchka and Kurtic have the ability to score world-class goals. The final key to the match is the same as one of our keys to the match from the Spezia game, which is that we need to play this match from start to finish. As we know, we conceded twice in the final quarter of that Spezia match, which made the game a little bit more stressful than it needed to be. We got a little too lackadaisical in that match, which I suppose is understandable when you have a four-goal lead, but we got very sloppy and we let them back into the match for no reason. We lost both fixtures against Parma last season and both times we conceded a late goal. In the home leg, we conceded a goal to Gervinho in stoppage time, and in the away leg, Dejan Kulusevski drew a penalty only a few minutes before the end of regulation. So we know that Parma can punish you late in the match. That's also why it's important that we don't rely on a one-goal lead, especially a 1-0 lead, because we always seem to concede a goal. We'll need to score at least two goals if we want to win this match. 
Another three or four goal first half would be ideal, so we can rest some of our attacking players and continue to give Osimhen some time to find his legs. The head official for this match is Federico Lapenna. Lapenna has officiated eight Napoli matches since 2018. We have six wins, one draw, and one loss in those eight matches. Two of those matches were this season. The first was our 3-1 defeat to Milan, and the second was our 2-1 victory over Sampdoria. La Pena's assistants are Giovanni Baccini and Pietro Mastro Donato. The fourth official is Marco Serra, and Alejandro Di Paolo is on the VAR, assisted by Stefano Del Giovane. For my prediction, I'm going to go with a 3-0 Napoli win. I'll give the goals to Chucky Lozano, Lorenzo Insigne, and Piotr Zielinski. Parma has been absolutely dreadful this season, and even though we tend to make our opponents, especially the weaker ones, look better than they are, I just can't see them winning this one. Parma don't necessarily concede too many goals, but we score a lot of them. We tend to score them in bunches, which is cause for concern. You never really know which Napoli is going to show up, but I'm going to assume the good Napoli shows up here because there is still a lot of pressure on Gattuso, and I think the players will still be motivated to get him another win. Meanwhile, Parma simply do not score enough goals. During this 10-game winless streak, they've only netted 4 goals. So that will do for this preview. I hope you enjoy the game. That will also do it for this episode. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends and give us a 5-star rating on your favorite podcast platform. As always, if you need to get a hold of me, you can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore Fischetti5. Or you can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Pod. As I mentioned at the top, we just posted our second episode of Fortsanopoli Worldwide, so be sure to check that one out. We'll talk to you again later in the week to review the Padma match and to preview our next match, which is against Atalanta in the Coppa Italia. But until then, I'm Joe Fischetti. Fortsanopoli sempre! Network.